0: Good morning, everyone. If you're just coming in, feel free just to squeeze people along if you see some spare seats there. And if you're sitting on the edges and the seats beside you, maybe it might be worth just kind of squeezing in so people can come in beside you on the sides. It's wonderful to be together this morning. There's many reasons for us to come together. We come together primarily, though, because we love and we trust The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So let's stand together and sing about what brings us together this morning.
1: Our Father everlasting, be your
0: Jesus that you are the one that brings us together this morning we believe in you Lord we believe that you paid for our sins we believe that you rose again we believe that you're coming back for us we believe in your eternal kingdom Lord we believe in your love we believe in your forgiveness Lord we believe that you are Lord Jesus Christ amen amen
1: Multiply your your love through us to the Let love be multiplied Let love be multiplied Let love be multiplied The heavens declare The glory of God and skies. skies. Lift up their
0: we proclaim with all the universe and we bow on our knees before you jesus the one who is lord of heaven and earth our coming king we praise you and we love you together this morning amen amen please take a seat So, some, well, first of all, before I get to that, welcome everyone. Especially if you're new, we're so thrilled that you're here. On the other side of um, the glass, I guess between, on the. <laughs> some things you should think through before you try and say them, shouldn't you? So, Kate's just kind of waving at an area there at the back. On the other side, there's information, uh, welcome pack. Please grab one of those. Also, fill out the communication cards. Can a few people just hold up the communication cards that are in front of you there? Just um, fill those out. If you've got um, needs that you'd like to bring um, to the attention of the elders or the pastoral team, then we'd love to hear from you. I've been talking with the Giles family who are on mission slash um, holidays. Have a look at what they're wearing You're not wearing those kind of clothes this morning. So they're on the other side of the world and sharing about Jesus as part of their family trip together. There's a little selfie there. Um, so they've been giving their testimony and um, Joy had a go. She gave me permission to share this, but Joy had a go at sharing her um, testimony and she wrote it out in Portuguese. I don't know how she did that, but she wrote it out in Portuguese, and she read it out, and it seemed to go really well, and so the next um, church they went to, she did the same thing, and someone stopped her in the middle of it and said, this is terrible Portuguese. We don't understand anything you're saying. (laughs) Perhaps I can translate for you. (laughs) And so, um, so I'm sure Joy very humbly allow, uh, spoken English and let someone else do the Portuguese. Um, the kids have been preparing some meals and Matilda called out, um, it took them seven hours to prepare one meal. So they're serving, isn't that wonderful? They're not there to be entertained, they're there serving the Lord and serving his people and so um, just thought I'd bring you up to date with
2: those. David. So I'm really glad to be with you this morning. A few things. One is if you've got kids and they'd like to have an activity sheet, there's some activity sheets down the back that they're very welcome to grab. Um, I'd like to mention to you uh, for the last time really Adventure Zone. It's coming up on Wednesday. So if you uh, know kids that are in year one to six... uh, then on Wednesday, starting at 9am, we'd love them to come. And uh, it would be terrific if you could uh, do early rego through the website, um, although it is possible for you to arrive on the day, but we'd uh, yeah, we'd love you to come. And excited about uh, having the kids' clubs coming on, on Wednesday. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask um, Peter and Sally and Ruth to come up because we want to pray for them. Uh, but before I do, I'll just also mention that uh, I spoke to David Nixon, and I think we've even got a slide there, haven't we, um, on Skype oh, two days ago or something. So he's in Indonesia and uh, with his wife, Carol, and there are his two sons. Uh, the, the message there is there seems to be a season of openness and harvest here at, the, uh, at this time, as well as lots of opposition. Pray for courage, faith and boldness as we seek to share with those uh, to enter the kingdom. Uh, Peter and Julianne uh, plan to join the team in March 2019. Pray for them as they continue to prepare uh, and for the people to join their support team. Those um, comments kind of mean more to me because uh, this time last year you sent me to Indonesia and uh, so I was there and I was with uh, David and Carol and, and the team. When I spoke to David just two days ago on Skype um, he said there have been some enormous blessings uh, in terms of people coming um, it's a it's a Muslim country and people coming to faith in Christ but also great opposition and he cried as he uh, on the phone to me on Skype as he's told about how some people who have come to faith are being rejected from their communities and that's he said it's different from Australia. In Australia, we go and drive into our houses and pull our roller doors down and we we can live without our neighbours. But there, the neighbours are just so much part of your life and you're, you're very uh, integrated with neighbours. And when there's rejection um, at that sort of level, it's very, very painful uh, and even dangerous. So they've had to have these contingency plans uh, of... Um, So he'd love us to pray. I also, when I went to Indonesia, I went with Julianne and Peter as they were working out whether they were going to go. They were part of the team that I went with in the first place. And um, so I'm thrilled that they're going. They'll be an enormous blessing. So um, we'd also like um, to pray for them. Talking about missions, Ruth and Peter and Sally, can you please come? And I want to speak with you about your trip. You're not going to go, okay? Peter Just p- okay. Um, and Ken Pickersgill's going as well. And come, Ruth and Peter. Now, when Lipius was here last year from Indonesia, he spoke to you about needs there and what happened.
3: Well, he said that. Uh, they had a vision to, they had a vision for uh, that, uh, a school that would cater for orphan children children that were disbanded from their parents and uh, he said, "How about coming over <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Pete's the builder on that uh, yes and anyway uh two, two teams have uh, Je- clive and Jenny Gibbs have uh Started the team, although they're they our leaders, and uh, they are over there. They went last Tuesday week, and uh, we're following Saturday. We leave. How
2: long will you be gone for, it?
3: I'll oh, be over two weeks.
2: And what will your job be? I'll
3: oh, probably cook. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm not a builder. <laughs> and Peter, what will you be doing there? Just encouraging some of the local tradesmen. Yep. And yes. just stand with them and. Yep. Yeah. And what do you hope to achieve while you're there? You're going to build this? Well, hopefully, we'll get it out of the ground. Will you? Yeah, Yeah. we'll get some of it out of the ground anyway. All right. That's what we're hoping. Okay. (laughs) What about um, we, maybe we all stand and we pray for Peter and Ruth and Ken and who else is going to go?
3: Uh, uh, Andrew
2: Turner. Andrew Turner. All right. Let's pray for them. Loving Lord, we thank you um, for Peter and Ruth and for Andrew and Ken and the other team that are already there. And we lovingly give them to you. Thank you for their heart to go and to work for your gospel and your kingdom, uh, Lord, in Indonesia. Um, Rest your hand on them, Lord, in unusual ways in love and um, bless them, Father. And, uh, Lord, I pray that they would be a blessing, enormous blessing for the name of Christ, um, where they're going. And, Lord, I'm also asking that you would please bless them and strengthen them. So we're we're thankful for them, Lord, and we ask that you would bring them home safe in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Sit down. So I'd like to pray with you now uh, more generally about uh, the the work of the Lord. Are there any things that anyone um, would like to shout out uh, concerning needs that you know that we should be praying. I love to pray because uh, we're coming to a king that rules the universe and he has opened a way for us to pray uh, in the name of Jesus. And so I love to pray. Are there any things that you'd like to blurt out that you know it would be good? What are you thinking, Sandra? i just like to pray for all the in where there
4: is that, barrenness that just
2: Yeah. Family and barrenness and pray for that. That's a beautiful prayer. Anything else that's happening in your heart that's bubbling that you think it would be great to pray for? What are you thinking, Peter? i just like to pray for a few people in our family that lost, uh, real loved ones this Yep. Yes. Time of grief. Mm. One or two more that maybe... What are you thinking, Jared? That's a good prayer. The persecuted Christians that don't have the freedom to worship God. We've got amazing freedom here. Amazing freedom. Yeah, so, and Liz. (laughs) So Liz has got a grandson, Peter, that's um, being baptised next week. And in the river? Yes. In the river. And so she's thrilled and we're all thrilled. So... Yeah, wow. Yeah, we'd love to pray for that. All right. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Father, we tremble to come to your throne because your throne is so great. Um, But we love to come to your throne because uh, Jesus has made a way... Uh, for us to cry out to you and pray to you. And so, um, Lord, we're, ga- we're gathered here as believers, believers in the name of um, Jesus, the one that's risen, the risen one, the living one. And so, Lord, we're praying. Lord, we're not just um, praying for things, but we're bringing our whole heart to you. Lord, I'm aware that we're bringing our wounds to you. Um, we're bringing our, our sins we can't cover them up Lord we'd love to cover them up sometimes but we bring them to you because you're the one that ultimately covers them and so we bring them Lord um, to you and saying Lord um, we don't want to we don't want to live like we used to live we want to live for you and we're coming again this morning to the cross to our saviour to receive restoration and grace again Every day, Lord, for our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your provision of grace. Um, Thank you that you're the one that binds up our wounds and our pains, uh, our heartache, um, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're the one that meets us in our deepest need and what a strong Lord, what a strong king, what a faithful one you are. And so we're thankful that we can come to you um, this morning, Lord. Lord do want to pray for some of the prayers that people have called out, Lord, for the brokenness and barrenness sometimes in families and there's people here, I'm sure, I'm certain, people here that are gathered in all sorts of ways where there's pain and barrenness in family life and Lord, you are the one who says that you will make streams flow in the desert and so we're asking, Father, um, in all sorts of different situations that as we look to you and look to you in Christ, that you would please, Lord, bring refreshment and and flourishing, Lord, in our lives. And, um, Lord, not only grief, not only pain and barrenness, but we also want to bring grief um, to you, sometimes the grief and sorrowing. And, Lord, I pray that in that grief and sorrowing that we would turn to you uh, in comfort and in hope. Lord, I think of... Um, people all over the world, including the Nixus um, where there's not the freedom to worship and serve and follow Jesus like we have here, um, Lord, that uh, uh, Jared mentioned. Lord, there's, we want to pray for the Nixus and those in Indonesia who love you. And, Father, we're gathering now as just a little group of people in Wagga But we're joining our hearts and we're joining our faith and we're praying to you, Father in heaven, please, Lord, may their faith be like gold. Lord, even those new believers that um, are suffering because they're being rejected, because of their faith in Christ and, um, and it's painful, very, very painful, but also great joy because of the riches that they've received in the living Lord. So, Father, I'm just asking that their faith would be like gold, that you would hold them fast, that you would make their joy rise, and, Lord, that they, you would hold on to them tightly and they would hold on to you through faith, Lord. And um, so, Father, we, we need you, Lord. Um, we need you. We need you to help us to worship you, Lord, for we're asking more people. I know this is a big prayer, but it's a massive, massive prayer. More people, Lord, that you would use us to bring more people out of darkness and into your light. More people out of death into life. More people out of prison and um, into the freedom that comes only comes through um, the risen Saviour, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, um, for Liz's grandson peter and um yeah he's going to be baptized this uh in this week coming and lord bless him lord and we're asking lord for others that are planning to be baptized even in this congregation lord that there would be joy joy uh, because of the lord so thank you lord that we can be together we can worship and love you lord in jesus name amen
0: So, who was here last week and you are less than 13 years old? Oh, are you older than 13, Anno? <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? But, um, if you were here last week and you heard the st- first part of the story of Esther and you would like to have a front row seat to part two... And you can come and join me down here in the middle. You have to be younger than 47. <laughs> <laughs> and if you weren't here last week, you are welcome to.
5: Well, welcome back, kids. I'm sorry if you missed the first part of Esther last week. I thought maybe I'd just give you just a few little slides to give you a recap so you know where we're up to. So, believe it or not, well, it's actually true, that God places kings in a certain place at a certain time for a certain reason. And in this part of the Bible, King Xerxes ruled over this area from Ethiopia to India, and his palace was in Shuzah. So, or Shushan they say, but I always say Susa because I don't know why they pronounce it that way. But he had a palace there and he was reigning and he was a king who loved to throw parties. And at the beginning of Esther, there he is throwing a party for all the important people and the poor people in his palace and his nation or around Susa. And during that time, he actually asked his beautiful queen, to come out so that all the men who were nobles at the party could see just how beautiful Queen Vashti was. But when he sent for her, she said, no, I'm not coming. And he thought, what am I going to do? If the queen doesn't do what the king says, well, then who is going to do what I say? And his wise uh, nobles and officials said to him, You can't let this happen. You're going to have to banish Queen Vashti. She can never come in your presence again. You will never see her again. She will no longer be queen. And now you must find a new queen. And not only that, they announced and they made sure that everyone knew that men were in charge of the women. You can't let the women take control. And so, (laughs) that's got sense. (laughs) And I'm a woman. (laughs) So they announced that to all the people and then soon after that, they went around all of Susa and some of the provinces to find all the beautiful women so that they could have beauty treatment for one whole year before going into the presence of the king where he was going to choose who his new queen was going to be. Now, this is important because Mordecai, this man here, he had a beautiful daughter but she wasn't really his true daughter. She was actually his younger cousin and they were God's people. They were called the Jews. And she lived with him because her mum and dad had died. They'd been taken away by this nation and they were taken, not as slaves as I said last week. I shouldn't have said that, but they were captives. They were not allowed to go back home to Jerusalem. They were stuck in this country and they worked there as Jews, still God's people, but they were living there. And Esther, she was beautiful. And they saw her and said, you must come to the palace for beauty treatment because the king might like you as his new queen. But Mordecai said to her, as he had said all those years as she was growing up, you cannot tell anyone that you are a Jew. Keep it a secret. So she did. She did what Mordecai said. Now, the time came, believe it or not, it was actually about this time of the year between December and January that they called up Esther and said, Esther, your turn has come for you to stand before the king. And she did everything that I think Haggai had said to her. He said, wear this dress, put on this perfume, do your hair like that. And she did everything that Haggai had said. And then she stood before the king. And when he saw her, It says he loved her above all the other women that he had seen and that were getting ready to stand before him. He loved her and he said, you will be my king, a queen, not king, (laughs) my queen. And he crowned her. And in celebration, they had another banquet, another party, and he gave the whole of Sousa a holiday. So no school, no work. They had some time off. And he gave some very expensive gifts out to the people who lived around. And so it was a great celebration. And he adored her. She was beautiful. And she was kind. Now, not long after, Mordecai actually got a new job too. Now, remember, Mordecai was actually Queen Esther's adopted father. And he got a job in the palace and he worked at the king's gates. And one day... He overheard two of the guards saying, I'm sick of this King Xerxes. I'm sick of the way he treats us. We're going to try and kill him. And so they planned. And Mordecai heard and he thought, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do something like that. And so, of course, he always chatted to Queen Esther whenever he got the chance and bumped into her. And so he said, Queen Esther, someone is planning to kill King Xerxes. You need to do something. And so she did she told the king and said, someone, these two men, these guards who actually are standing in front of your room protecting you are actually going to be the very ones to try and kill you. And so they checked into it and it was true. They had planned and the king said, go, take them away and kill them. They don't deserve to work for me anymore. And he wrote down in his special book of history, because a king likes to have a book of history of when he reigned, and they wrote down exactly what happened. And Esther even said, it was Mordecai who saved your life this time, King Xerxes. And they wrote that down in the special book of history. Now, soon after that, there's a few things that were happening at this time. A man named Haman came to reign over all the nobles and officials king Xerxes said you can be in charge of all of the important people in my palace there he is marching through and because you are so important Haman people must bow down to you when you walk past so they would go oh Haman great Haman and they would bow down to show respect but in the background you can see Mordecai the Jew he was still standing And, you know, even though Haman hadn't noticed, a few of the other men, the officials, glanced back and went, Mordecai, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Bow down. This is the law. The king said you had to. And he said, "Nope, I'm not bowing down to him. I am a Jew. I do not bow down to people. And so they were going, but really, Mordecai, next time you should. And they tried to encourage him every time. Bow down. Bow down. Nope. I'm a Jew. I won't do it. And then they said, all right, we're going to dob on you. I'm going to tell Haman. Now, when Haman found out, oh, there they are encouraging him. I should have shown you that picture. Come on, Mordecai. But they ran over and said, Haman, Haman, did you know that every time you walk past Mordecai, he doesn't bow down to you just like the king had ordered? Haman went, really? Really? And, you know, the next time he walked into the room, he just glanced back. (gasps) And it was true. Mordecai was still standing there. He wasn't bowing down. He went, this is not on. And he thought, hmm, I want to get this Mordecai. How dare he disrespect me? But he said, I'm not just going to get this Mordecai because the men said it's because he's a Jew. He won't bow down to you. He said, right, I'm going to get these Jews as well. I'm going to wipe them all out. They don't deserve to be in King Xerxes' kingdom. And then he asked some men to gather like some rocks that were like a dice and they rolled a dice and he thought, hmm, I'm going to let the dice choose what day I'm going to get rid of these Jews and wipe them out because he started to think of a plan. And they rolled the dice and it landed on the month of March and number seven. And he went, oh, that means I've got to wait a whole year. Hmm, that didn't work out too well. March the 7th it was. And then his next step was to talk to the king. So when he was in the king's presence, he said, "Ah, King Xerxes, I don't know if you've heard, but there is a nation, a race of people called the Jews, and they have their own law. And worse than that, they don't do what you say. If you say one thing, if it goes against their law, no, nope, they won't do it. And he said, I don't think it is in your best interest to keep these people here. I think we should wipe them all out. And if we do that, I will put 10 big bags of silver, which is really about $7 million, into the king's treasury. Now, King Xerxes went, hmm, that that sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah, I don't want people in my kingdom who don't do what I say. All right, do it. Job done. Job done. And he even took off his ring, his special ring that he presses into wax when it's melted. And when they seal it, a letter, they put a drop of wax and press his ring in to show that it was the king who ordered the special letter. And so he gave his ring to Haman and said, here, write the letter, lots of letters in different languages, send them out all over the provinces and tell them, that on March the 7th, we are going to wipe out every single Jew that lives. And so, Haman went, great, thank you very much. He took the ring. He went and he said, all right, dictate this. He had a secretary and said, to all the people in every nation. And they wrote it down. And then when it was done, they sealed it with the king's ring. And then they sent them out all over the country for everybody to read. And as the people read the notices, they went, what? What's going on? And you know, Haman and the king, they sat down in the palace and had a drink while the rest of the city and all around them were going, what's going on? Why? Why is this happening? And everyone was so confused. But you know, when Mordecai, who was a Jew, read what was going on, he went, no, What's gone wrong? And he tore his clothes in sadness. And he got cloth that was made from bags of flour and put it on and put all this ash from the fireplace all over his body. And he cried and he went, no, my people, they're going to be wiped out. And he went towards the palace. But he couldn't go in because he was crying and mourning and you weren't allowed to go into the the palace area if you were sad. And he sat there. Moaning and crying. And when Queen Esther's servants saw Mordecai, they went, Oh, that's Queen Esther's adopted father, isn't it? And they ran back to Queen Esther and said, Queen Esther, don't you know? Your your dad is out there crying and his all his clothes are torn and he's got dirt all over him. He looks terrible. And so Queen Esther sent him a robe and Mordecai said, No, I won't wear it. I refuse. And the servant went, Oh, okay. And he ran back to Queen Esther. And she went, oh. And so then she said, Hathach there is her servant. She said, go and talk to Mordecai and see exactly what is going on. So he went up and he said, what's going on, Mordecai? And Mordecai got the piece of paper with the written instructions to wipe out the Jews. And he said, look, this is what King Xerxes has ordered to happen. And he said, how can I be happy this is terrible. You need to show Queen Esther what has happened and tell her to go to the king and plead for her people. He needs to have mercy on us. So he took the notice back to Queen Esther and explained everything that Mordecai had said. And Queen Esther said, you need to go back and tell him that everybody knows that there is a law. If anybody goes into the presence of the king without being invited, They are doomed to die. If he does not put out his gold stick like a scepter and point it and say, Yes, you can come in, he will say, You die. You go. I I I haven't seen, he hasn't asked me to come and visit him for 30 days. If I go there now, I could die. So Hatha or Hathach, I think his name was, he went back and he told Mordecai. And then Mordecai said, a very important thing and I think I should read it actually because I can't put into my own words well enough this is what he said he said don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace you will escape when all the other Jews are killed if you keep quiet at a time like this deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place but you and your relatives will die Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. So could God have made her queen to save her people? And when Queen Esther read the message from Mordecai, she said, all right, I want you to tell all the people, all the Jews around Susa, I want you to fast, no eating, And I want you to do that for three days and three nights. And my servants and I in my palace, we will do the same thing. And then after the three days, I will go and stand before the king. If I must die, I must die.
0: So, who's going to be here next week? (laughs) Good, Terry. And you can even sit down the front, Terry, if you want to. Um, If you come prepared for the offering, then um, that will be taken up uh, during this next song. If you haven't come prepared, that's okay, just let the bag go past. You can also give electronically. Um, The details of that can be found in your bulletin. So we've got a new song. Actually, Sheldon has done it before, but you may not... I think we may have only done it the once. But you can stay seated as the offering is taken up and join in as you're able to.
1: It's the only, only one who could of every breath afraid it's your love.
0: Jesus, we thank you. You're the one who rescued us. You're the one who saved us. We love you. Amen. So We've got um, a Bible reading. If you'd like to turn to Romans chapter 14. Thank you, Annette.
3: Romans 14, verses 1 through to 23. Except those who are weak, whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters, one man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another, another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, Every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the the sake of food. All food is clean. But it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin.
5: We will now give thanks for the offering. Dear Father God, we thank you for all the blessings you provide. We thank you for these gifts given and help them to be used for your purposes. And please help us to listen to what David has to say today.
4: Amen. Amen.
2: A friend of mine came and saw me this week, a young fella. Uh, and before he was a christian he used to love to do um, card tricks like magic with his with these cards and all sorts of things um they weren't wasn't really magic in any sense of magic magic but he was very people would see what he do and wow that's amazing But now that he's uh, a believer in Christ, a believer in Jesus, he's not sure if his conscience is clear. Because even people that are not Christians have seen what he does, and they say, That is of the devil. You've got to stop that straight away. And so he's unsure. He's just unsure. Is God pleased? Is God pleased? And his conscience is troublingly troubling him. And so he came to see me and he said, What do you think? You know there's lots of things in our lives, questions that we've got. How do we please God with practical aspects of our lives? So, is it okay to work on Sundays? Um, Is it okay to drink wine or alcohol? Um, When I was a kid, some of you probably similar to this, but... um, On Good Friday, my mum would never serve us red meat. We would always have fish. Is that pleasing to God? Are we allowed to play cards? I remember being in a group of um, young people playing cards one time and a Christian leader came in and we realised that this is not something we should be doing just by the whole demeanour. But what about tattoos? Is it okay to have a tattoo on your body? Or what should you be allowed to wear to church? Or a thousand other things, a thousand other things, where our conscience is wondering, is this okay? Or is this not okay? And i Believe that Romans 14 and 15 give us some help as we think about what this whole question of navigating what is pleasing, how do we live in a way where our hearts know that this is pleasing to God, how do we please God? Let's have a look at Romans 14 and try and understand what was happening in the first century in Rome. I got a text message from Judy and Aubrey last night, and they said, we're in Rome, and we're looking at the most magnificent things that um, God has done, actually, in Rome. And I said, well, I'm going to be preaching about Rome. (laughs) Not really on Rome. But, But this was a letter to the Romans. This letter... Was written to believers. They had gathered early, early, early. Believers gathered in Rome, and there was a dispute arising in this little church in Rome. And this is what Paul writes to them. He says, "Accept one another, whose faith. Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarrelling over disputed matters." One person's faith allows him to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master the servant stands or falls, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. In Rome, there's two groups of believers, and Paul calls them the weak, the weak in faith, and the strong. And there seems to be three matters that divide these two groups. (laughs) The first one is that the weak in faith only eat vegetables. And you think, what is going on? Why are they only eating vegetables? And it seems that what's going on is that these that Paul is calling the weak in faith grew up in Jewish homes when they weren't Christians. They just grew up in Jewish homes and they had strict laws. Everything had to be kosher. Have you heard that term, kosher? Had to be co- so animals needed to be slaughtered in a certain way and, and there were certain things that you definitely could not eat. And so there were restrictions on them and because they were living in pagan Rome and they were just not sure whether this meat had been killed in the right way, some of their upbringing came to, to bear on them. They were now Christians. But they weren't sure, their consciences just weren't sure whether God could be pleased with me eating this meat. That I'm just not sure whether it's kosher or I'm not sure. They, they're weak in faith in the sense that they just don't have the assurance that God would be pleased at this point. The strong in faith, on the other hand, eat all kinds of foods. They they say, no, 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 we have come to Christ. We are no longer under the law of Moses. We are under the law of Christ and he brings us great freedom and great liberty to do all sorts of things. And we don't have these hang-ups that you guys have. And Paul calls them the strong in faith. There's something else that divides them, and that is seems to be days. So the strong said, ah, oh, the strong in faith said, no, no. We don't worry about all these days, these festivals that you guys worry about. And maybe it might even have the Sabbath under that. We're, we're free. But the weak, they've grown up keeping these days. And their consciences are not clear. Also wine. The strong feel free to drink wine, but the weak don't. And so there's this division brewing in Rome between the weak and the strong. And Paul wants to speak to the Roman church because he longs for there to be unity. There longs to be unity there. Notice he, re- he, he, he actually rebukes both groups quite strongly He says, weak do not judge the strong, and strong accept the weak. And he he rebukes both groups because he he longs for there to be unity. Notice the phrasing here. Accept the one who is weak in faith without quarrelling over disputable matters. Do you know there are two kinds of matters? There's those that you might call the closed-handed matters, Closed-handed issues and those that are the open-handed issues for us as believers. The closed-handed issues are anything that gets anywhere near the gospel, the cross of Christ, his rising, the person of Christ. They're closed-handed issues. People die for those issues. They, go to, they, they are martyrs because they're holding fast to the truth of these things. But then there's open-hand issues for us. Disputable matters. Things that we're just not... Sh- you can make a case either way. We're not quite sure. They're disputable matters. They're things that people have different opinions on. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to be quarrelling about disputable matters. So, I want, as we go through four things really... Four things that um, we can observe from this passage that I hope will help you know how to please God. That's my question. How do you please God with your life? Four things that help us navigate this question. The first one is that we are the Lord's servants and he is our judge. Listen to what it says in verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? He's talking to the strong. He's saying, "Who do you think you are to judge the weak in faith? They're, they are not. They are someone else's servant. They're not your servant. Who do you think you are to judge someone else's servants to their own master? The servants stand or fall. What he's saying is that." we are all got a master in Christ and we can't sit on the judgment say, seat and say to you, someone, you're not a real Christian, you're not actually a believer in Christ because you eat all these things and you shouldn't. Or on the other hand, you can't say to someone else, you're not a true believer because you don't um, behave in this way or that way. You shouldn't sit on the judgment seat in terms of determining whether someone is a believer or not. Now, let me point out to you, there's a sense in which we are judging certain things all the time. We're judging, should that person have stolen that money from that other person? No, they shouldn't. That's a judgment. Should that person have slept with that person's wife? No, they shouldn't. That that is a judgment. Those sort of judgments is not what's in view here. It is talking about disputable matters... And it's talking about whether you're judging someone to be in the faith or not. Get off your judgment seat. They've got a master and before their own master they will stand or fall. And this beautiful, beautiful phrase, and they will stand. For the Lord is able to make them stand. They will stand. So the first beautiful thing, I love actually this. I love the fact that I'm a servant of God. I'm also a tremble when I say that. And so are you. Wow. A servant of God. No longer a servant to darkness. No longer a servant to um, every kind of wickedness and fear. No longer a servant to all that. But a servant of the living God. or a servant. And when we look to our, our master, our eyes sparkle because we're servants to the living God. But not only am I a servant before God, but he will judge. There will come a time where he will judge his servants. Listen to what it says. Verse 12. So each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Did you know that? Each of us, Individually. Every individual per- person will give an account of their lives to God. It says in, in James chapter 3 that not many of you should aspire to be teachers because you'll, the teachers will be judged with more strictness. Do you know I as a teacher am going to be judged with more strictness? Doubly judged it says. Be very, very careful because if you're, if you're leading people astray and twisting things and showing things the way they're not, you're going to be, just be careful. Be very, very careful. But, but it's true for every one of us that one day we will stand before our, our master and we have to give an account for our lives. But Paul is saying that the Lord is able to make us to stand on that day by his grace and his love. But we are not the judge. We've got to get off um, our judgment seat. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I'll read it to you from verse 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin, And this is my point. Huge principle for Christian living. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. You think, how could that be? Well, here's, here's a situation. Here I am. I've um, got my card tricks ready to play, but there's doubts in my heart. But someone says, oh, no, 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 no! don't worry about that. Don't worry. You just go ahead and do it. And from peer pressure, you begin to do this thing, but you are defiling your own conscience. <laughs> There's something in your conscience that's just not sure. And so you, you, you're defiling your own... You, you're, it's not from faith. You're not acting out of faith at that moment. You're not with a heart saying, no, oh Lord, I just feel joy in this. I feel freedom in this. And so when you are breaking your own conscience and you're dabbling in this thing here, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I'm, I'm going to go and do this little thing over here, but you're breaking your own con- conscience, then that's sin. And do you see what this means? Sin is not necessarily just a list of, here's the list of sins, and if you don't do that, you've, you, you're fine. That's not the way sin operates. The way sin operates is that it comes from a motive of heart. When we're living by faith and our heart are trusting the Lord and our obedience and the way we live is is a clear conscience. Here the scriptures actually say, Paul actually says, make sure everyone is convinced in their own heart. It's important that you have just a clear conscience before God that I am pleasing him and that I'm by faith. I'm doing what he is pleased with. My, I remember my mum telling this, me this story. Well, it's a true story. And it comes from a different era. You'll hear that. That her grandmother believed in not doing anything on Sunday. Her m- grandmother. And, but as her grandmother was getting older and she was forgetting things, she had forgotten. Uh, she was sitting there one day and she was knitting. Knitting, 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 knitting. And someone mentioned that it was Sunday. And she just dropped her knitting needles like that. Now, I think she was one of the weak in faith. But do you see? Paul is saying... Do you see? She's not breaking her conscience. Do not bully her into doing something that breaks her conscience. She is living. God's pleased with that. She's not trying to win her salvation by that. It's just that she's trying to please God. And we don't want anyone bullying other people to do something that breaks their conscience. So so do you see? Whatever is not from faith is sin. We need to be... Living in ways that we, we're pure and faith, our faith in God is sure. What I'm doing is pleasing, is pleasing to God. Now, I know in a room this big, there's people here that you're doing things and your conscience is not clear. And I want to say two things to you. One is, that when you continue in that way you are sinning against God and it's actually very serious the other thing is that in Christ when you come to him and you receive his grace he transforms you and changes you he wants to set you free he wants to give you a freedom and a liberty there's things that are not good in our lives. And God is saying, look, I want to bring you into a freedom, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful freedom. But your conscience must be clear. Third thing, I've got four of these. The third thing is the, the kingdom of God is about the Holy Spirit's work. And you say, well, where did you get that from? Well, listen Listen to what it says in verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Now, the kingdom of God, let me just dwell with you for a minute about that phrase the kingdom of God do you remember when Jesus came Jesus came began his ministry and his first words pretty much were the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe the good news the kingdom of God when God's son his only son came into the world and began his ministry he was bringing a kingdom (laughs) a massive mighty life-giving light-giving kingdom instead of the kingdom of darkness having reign and rule and sway here now was the son of the living God empowered by the Holy Spirit and he is bringing the advance of the kingdom so that he was going to renew all things and and win back everything from the kingdom of darkness he was going to transform all and he says I am the king and I'm bringing the kingdom He's bringing people into his reign, out of the reign of darkness and into the reign of Christ and into the reign of life and hope. His kingdom is coming. Now this is my question. How do you know whether you have the evidence of the kingdom of God in your life? How do you know? How do you know if this kingdom that Jesus was bringing was, 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 is, is, is evidenced in your life. And Paul is saying the kingdom of God is not actually a matter of rules. It's not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of oh, I do this and I do that and I do this and the other and that's, therefore I've got the evidence I'm in the kingdom. He says not that. That's not it. What he says in fact is the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So this is the evidence that the kingdom of God is happening in your life. (laughs) The righteousness of God is breaking into your heart and there's righteousness happening. Instead of darkness and every kind of um, badness happening, now righteousness is It marks your life not only the righteousness that the Holy Spirit brings the Spirit of Christ now bringing righteousness in your life but peace peace comes and not only peace but joy joy in the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit that's how you know that the kingdom of God is operating in your life it's not about keeping this rule and that rule It's about the work of Holy Spirit powerfully working in you in righteousness, peace, and joy. Great joy. Great, great joy because of what God has done in Christ. So when you ask, when I ask you what is pleasing to God, listen to what it says here. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit because, listen, Anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God. So if you serve Christ in this way, if you serve Christ with the Holy Spirit working in you, righteousness, peace and joy, then God is pleased. Oh, he's very, very pleased. He's actually not wanting you to have a list of do's and don'ts and all the others. What he's wanting is to know whether the Holy Spirit is so working in you from the work of Christ to bring righteousness, peace and joy. Lastly, number four. Unity is a precious thing and it's to be greatly guarded. And the reason I finish with this one is because if you look carefully there's a lot of one another statements here it says accept one another Paul saying do not judge one another do everything for the building up of one another and so the big burden in in Paul's heart is that we're together that we're not bickering and fighting and and judging one another it is a unity that's on his heart and he says, let us therefore make every effort, that's a big phrase, every effort, every effort to do what, the, what leads to peace and mutual edification. That means building each other up. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that causes your brother or sister to fall. So do you hear the the words there? Some things might be okay, but if you're going to cause someone else offence, if you're causing them to fall, if you're destroying the work of God by what you are doing, then don't you see that you're, you're damaging a brother or sister? Paul himself says all food is clean but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble it's better not to eat drink uh, to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall and so i just want to finish here and say and point to you what Paul points us to he he points us to Christ This is what he says. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbour for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. So let me just think with you as, as Paul points to Christ at the end, I want to point to Christ at the end as well. When it says here Jesus did not please himself, Do you know when Jesus was going to the cross, every step that he took to the cross was not a pleasing of himself. It was a denying of himself. It was to please others. It was to save others. Every step was not all about I want this thing now and I want that comfort now and I want this thing now. That was not how he lived. He lived every step. Not to please himself, but to please others. And what Paul is saying here, we need to be like Christ. We don't do stuff just because, oh, I've got to write for this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. We don't do it like that. We think, what could build up the others? What could strengthen others? What could bless others? Here... um, here there's two, two themes that ring out. One is faith and one is love. They ring out across this passage that we're to be people that have faith. Anything that's not done by faith is sin. So we're to be people that have faith but we're also people that are to be... For love is to reign supreme amongst believers. Just love, just overflowing love, not pleasing ourselves but blessing, blessing others. Let me finish as I read you uh, this Romans. It's only one verse, but I'm just going to read it and then I'm going to pray. And this is what it says in Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, would you please teach us how to please you in all our life so that we've got a clear conscience? Would you please set us free from those things that uh, bind us? And Lord, would you give us a great joy, a great peace, beautiful righteousness by the working of the Holy Spirit through our lives? That's what I want, Lord, and that's what um, I'm praying for these beautiful brothers and sisters here. Lord, that we would live for you and have joy as we serve and worship you, Lord, in Jesus' name.
0: Stand together. May the mind of Christ my Savior.
1: May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day. By His love and power, controlling all I do and say. I do and say, may the word of God dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour, so that all may see I triumph. The peace of God, my Father, rule my life in everything that I may become to comfort sick and sorrowing. Sick and sorrowing. May the love of Jesus fill me as the waters fill the sea. Him exalting, self-abasing This is victory This is victory May I run the race before me Strong and brave to face the foe Looking only unto Jesus Onward may his beauty rest upon me as i seek the loss to win and may they forget the chance
2: This is our our last service with Lindsay before he goes to Sydney. Linda's staying with us for a little bit longer yet. And we'll just pray for Lindsay and pray for ourselves as we go. Father, thank you um, that we've had the joy of having Lindsay and Linda with us uh, these three years. Our our hearts um, break when uh, we lose these beautiful people. Um, but we're asking that your hand of love and strength and wisdom and truth would rest on Lindsay as he goes. And um, Lord, on Linda as she stays, Lord, please help us to love her and care for her while she's here. So, Father, we, our hearts are full of thankfulness for the Me family and we're thankful, Lord, that you've given them to us for this time. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's hard for us to say goodbye. And Lord, as, as we go through the week, each one of us, um, praying that we would, we would love to please you, Lord, through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in righteousness, Lord, in peace and in joy. Please, Lord, may your kingdom uh, be evidenced in us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.